Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Let's get right to it. Matt Bovey, Sal Capaccio, it's always game day in Buffalo. We are literally less than 12 hours removed from our post-game show podcast. We did live, or I should say recorded, but you know, right at Highmark Stadium mm-hmm. after the Monday Night Football game, and Matt... We both said we thought a change was on the horizon. I think you were more even to the point of you think it could be this. Ken Dorsey gets fired by the Buffalo Bills. Your instant analysis and reaction as the move happens on, well, I guess, uh, really late Tuesday morning. They needed to do something, and the offense has been the biggest problem for this team for the majority of the season. Now, them firing Ken Dorsey does not mean that Ken Dorsey deserves all of the blame. Even for last night's game, Ken Dorsey was not the person who had 12 guys on the field for the field goal that ultimately lost them the game. He wasn't the guy who called the all-out blitz. You know, that was something we talked about last night as well. And I've seen other people make this very same point. This team has serious flaws, but offensively, that is supposed to be their fastball. And to have Josh Allen and only score 20 points a game for the last six weeks is inexcusable and somebody was going to have to take the fall and just it made sense process of elimination it was not going to be Sean it was not going to be Josh it's ultimately Ken Dorsey since he has taken over the offense has been inconsistent at best they have never looked as dynamic as they once looked under Brian Dable and there's a learning curve and to think that somebody picks it up immediately as a first-time play caller is a bit unrealistic, but the Bills are not in a position where they can let somebody learn on the job and let them grow with the job. They need somebody who can step in right away and get the most out of this team. I think they're trying to salvage the season, but it's too little too late. I think that 
the move makes sense and I can understand why they made the move. But if they were leaning in this direction, I think it should have been made a couple weeks ago because now you're five and five and your chances at making the playoffs are bleak anyway. I guess this is a trial run for Joe Brady and see what he's got for the last seven games or whatever it is. And then maybe you rip the interim tag off if things look good. And if not, then you're looking for an experienced OC out there. Yeah, let's. I'll get to Joe Brady in a minute. We'll talk about yeah. that component of it. I, I it, to your point of if they were leaning towards this, I don't know if they were a couple weeks ago. I'm sure things uh-huh. weren't great, but I don't know if they were. You know, w- when it came to Sean McDermott, we'll find out. We're going to talk with him at four four o'clock today on a local Zoom call with the Buffalo media. Uh-huh. But I, I don't know if it's easy to say. Well, they were you know thinking about this a few weeks ago. I think you're always trying to be at your best, but I think really over the last couple of weeks, it's just it's just become to a head. And really, it's the last six weeks overall. Twenty point five points a game over the last six weeks. 20.5 for a Josh Allen led offense that has Stefan Diggs, uh, first round pick in Dalton Kincaid, uh, Osiris Torrance, their second round pick, and an offensive line that has not missed a game at all to, uh, as a group together. So this is unacceptable, like you said. I, I'll go back to even, and I like your point, and it's right. It's never just one guy, but usually someone has to be blamed because you're responsible for it, right? A lot of times it's because it's, it's why head coaches get fired when it's not always their fault, but they're responsible. This is his offense. He's responsible for this. He's not only responsible for the scheming and the play calling. He's responsible for the players and the coaching of assistants. And one thing that's bothered me, and I'll say this as an old high school coach, a former high school coach, I just think that the fundamentals and the details just haven't been there. And that's on coaching too. That's on Ken Dorsey. That's on his coaches. The fumbles, the, you know, um, Josh Allen, what he's looking at, what he's not looking at, just the drive stalling at certain times, the penalties, things like that. Those are all little details that go to coaching. And honestly, Matt, for the last six years under Sean McDermott, this team's been very, very good for the most part compared to the league on the details, the fundamentals. They have not been on offense specifically. And I guarantee you that is a big issue for Sean McDermott, knowing how he operates his operation. I think some of the biggest factors about what makes a good coach or a good offensive coordinator are putting your players in a position where they can succeed and making them feel like they're getting the most out of themselves. You want to get the most out of somebody. And I've never felt like the Bills under Ken Dorsey have come close to either of those things. It feels like every time they make a big play, it's Josh had to pull a rabbit out of a hat and do something crazy and put on the Superman cape. And it feels like other guys who have thrived, other guys are not being utilized properly. And part of this is the players. Absolutely part of it's the players. But all summer, we gushed about Trent Sherfield. And hey, they've finally got a secondary option. And Deontay Hardy, how many catches is he going to get? Is he going to be able to replace Cole Beasley? Those guys haven't even come close to reaching their potential. And sure, they deserve some of the blame, but... Their coach needs to put them in positions to be able to go out and make plays, and they're not. Like the interception that they throw last night, why is that the play that you're trying to hit Deontay Hardy on? And then when you go back and you look at the play itself, nobody's open. The only guy who's even kind of open for a split second is Deontay Hardy. Like why are you letting your quarterback even attempt to make that throw? Do not give well, them that play. I don't know about letting him. To, to, you don't think that Josh Allen chose to throw that ball, though, too? See, that's where my rug comes in. You're right. I mean, yeah, you call a play where maybe that, you know, hey, that concept might not be the greatest one. Uh-huh. Josh has to know not to throw the ball, Matt. Sure. But He's not I also to throw to Deontay Hardy. No, I know that. And I'm not trying to. I think that right now there's like this juggling act of people who follow the team who are fans of the team trying to figure out who deserves the blame and how much of it falls on Josh and how much of it falls on Dorsey. And it's a little bit of everything, but 
you know, our old pal, Jabron Hamden, the Bills quarterback, is now, you know, like an analyst. And he does all of this stuff on social media. And he posts videos every single day of here's the all 22 video and here's what the defense is doing and here's what the quarterback needs to be looking for in these videos and in these videos he always explains like okay that's your first read that's your second read and that's the guy you know you're not going to but you're just trying to clear out space and all of these like really interesting details and i feel like i, didn't if know that, this. I have to follow him now i didn't you know have this. to follow him on Insta- yeah. it's fantastic and i've actually okay. learned a lot from just following him he's like but, he's like what uh, dan orlovsky was before he became dan orlovsky right it, Exactly. And I think that's kind of the trajectory that he's trying to take. But I have this former NFL quarterback who was, you know, like an NFL journeyman, if you even want to call it that, who is able to sit here and dissect why a play happens, why somebody is put in a position to succeed. And I just think like part of Ken Dorsey's job is to be to contain Josh Allen. And it feels like that has not happened. The turnovers have gotten worse because I don't think he trusts like maybe the people around him as much as he should. And he's always trying to make a play and it just feels like things are forced. But part of that is because he's putting Allen and company in a position where like it's harder to succeed. It feels like this is the, the simplest way that I can say this. It's like asking somebody to paint without a paintbrush a little bit. It's like you can try yes. and do something, but it's not as easy as it should be. Uh, listen, I, I want to make it clear. Like I'm not just saying this is all in Josh Allen either. I absolutely agree with you that you sit when you say like he's not putting him in position he's not giving him necessarily the plays there but Josh also is in his 7th year and this is where it comes to okay you're not putting me in this great position at some point he has to make a decision then that's better for him and the offense and this is why it goes hand in hand i think the bottom line is the reason why we're here today the reason why we're doing this podcast too often that's happened where maybe Josh doesn't have enough options so he is trying to force it you know maybe you could have why is it i mean you're 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 throwing a whole shot to a Five seven receiver. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just not it, it, from that spot of the field. Look, I'm small. I can say that, right? I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a little taller than him, I think. But you get my point. Like, it's you. You are not in a position to have that as even like something you should be thinking about. Let alone Josh Allen going to that and he telegraphs it and it's on Josh. But maybe this has been the issue. Hey, mm-hmm. what have we said for a while? I believe under Ken Dorsey, the Bills have a concept where they're like, okay, this is what we do. They have this offense. They go out and do it. But they're not necessarily tailoring it towards who they're playing and what their strengths are, like Brian Dable did at times Mm -hmm. and like Brian Dable did a lot to, I think, maximize the offensive efficiency. And that's why we're here right now. That's the conversation, right? That was one of the reasons that Brian Dable felt like was so good at his job because it was a philosophical difference, or at least it felt like it from the outside looking in. It felt like Brian Dable attacked a weakness for a defense, and Ken Dorsey was pl- trying to play to the strengths of his offense. And in doing that, he never fully got enough out of the unit as a whole, and he never got Josh to the level that he was at under Brian Dable. Diggs has still been Diggs for the last couple of years because he's just that special of a player. But mm-hmm. after that, it just has not looked like anything has been easy for them. So do I think the move makes sense? The short of it is yes, I I do. I feel bad that somebody is losing their job, but I think something needed to happen. It is very interesting though, that in the last less than 12 months, they have now fired an offensive coordinator and they have mutually parted ways, wink, wink with Leslie Frazier. I mean, at a certain point, 
what happens now, you know? And that's a big picture conversation that I'm sure we'll talk about a lot as we move through the week. Yeah, I mean, like the, the pitchforks are out for Sean McDermott from a lot of fans. You and I talked about this late last night, early morning hours, when I don't think either of us believe that that's on the table, even into the offseason. No, even, no. even if this team goes seven and 10, let's say, or six, eight, eight and nine and misses the playoffs, I don't think that, I don't think Terry Pagula would do that. I think Terry Pagula would took it, look at all the, built-up equity that Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean have in this organization and what they've done since he's become the owner and he hired them and say, yeah, I, I'm not going to do that. They, th- This is one bad year and I'm going to put faith in them. Now, another year like that might be a different conversation, but as much as fans, you get it, I get it. We get tweeted all the time. Hashtag fire McDermott, whatever it is. People call up all the time. I just don't think it's necessarily, I don't think it's something that's going to happen. But let me ask you this. He has proven that he has a track record of winning McDermott and that he has got them to a place that they had not been in yep. a long time. They've also now regressed for several seasons. That's right. And that's a very like sobering reminder to everybody that it was 2020 when they went to the AFC championship. Mm-hmm. Well, 2020 season, 2021 on the calendar right, year, right, right. but you know what I mean? So three seasons it, ago, three seasons ago and each season they have gotten progressively worse. I mean, yeah, they lost in the divisional rounds back to back years, but in one of them they actually had a chance. They should have won the game. The other one they got blown I think they out. were better in 2021. They just Absolutely. 13 seconds, right? They didn't get progr- they got progressively worse as far as where they finished their season and what round, but yes. Ex- exactly. So, as you regress, how let how long do you let that slide? How long do you let this question. continue to happen? Because the longer you let it slide, you're wasting another year of Josh Allen's prime years and maybe even another year of Stefan Diggs even being on the team because another layer of everything that's happened in the last 12 hours is Trayvon Diggs now tweeting that his brother needs to get out of there. And then that was last night. And you're like, okay, maybe that's like heat of the moment, whatever. And then this morning he tweets that Josh Allen was a nobody until Stefan got there basically. And if he's saying that, it makes you wonder, does his brother think that? Does his brother think that he has made Josh right. Allen into the superstar that he is? And if that's like the whole conflicting drama thing that's going on, I don't know how much longer this pair is going to be there. And if it's going to come down to the pair, guess what? Josh isn't going anywhere. So oh, I don't know. Right. What, so uh, like that's uh, you're wasting a year already of an elite quarterback and an elite wide receiver. And now you have to figure out what are you going to do with your other elite wide receiver who on the open market, like wouldn't even get that much because he's an older receiver who makes a ton of money. If you're like, Oh, we can just trade Stefan Diggs for a first round pick and a second round pick. Like that's not going to happen. So if you're not taking advantage of having these guys, then you have completely wasted this opportunity. Part of that falls on obviously McDermott. Part of that falls on Dorsey, which we saw today. And now part of it is up to Brandon Bean to figure out what the heck they do. All right. So Joe Brady steps in as the interim offensive coordinator. Just for some background here, Joe Brady was in charge of the historic LSU offense with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, no offense to Joe Brady when I say this. You or I might have been able to do a really good job with that offense calling some plays, but he deserved it. He, he, Hey, again, I say that tongue-in-cheek. Because he was in charge of that, and good for him. He deserved an opportunity to advance on in his career, and he got that with the Carolina Panthers. He has been an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He has been a play caller. 2020 and 2021 under Matt Rule in Carolina. They were not that good. 
Their numbers were not that good. I went back and looked. They were basically bottom third and near the bottom of the league in most you know, yardage and points categories. I would also say they didn't have a very good quarterback situation. Right? I think Teddy mm-hmm. Bridgewater was his main guy during that time. So now he steps in. And look, this is six days. Matt, they're not going to have wholesale changes to the offense as far as terminology and even scheme, really. I mean, you can't do that. You can't install something new in six days. So he's going to take the framework of this offense and work within it. What he can do, though, is tailor a game plan a little differently. He can come up with some new wrinkles for Josh, and we'll see where that goes with Joe Brady. Now, to your point about you know what happens down the road, here's the way I see this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This team is still going to try to make the playoffs. As much as fans may say, you shouldn't do that. Let's get the draft pick. Some fans may say that. We, we both know it's bleak. We both know they don't have much of a shot to make the playoffs percentage-wise. They will still try to do that. No doubt about it. They will still try to win. They're going to give Joe Brady an opportunity to win with this offense and in the meantime, audition for the job. And if mm-hmm. he can win with this offense, then he might get the job in the offseason. But either uh, either way, he's only interim. And in the offseason, they'll make a decision on whether it's going to be him or whether it's going to be someone else. The best thing he can do for his self right now to become the permanent offensive coordinator is to turn this around very, very quickly because that's what they're trying to do. What an undertaking. What a responsibility. Yes. It's just thrusted upon you of like, hey, in a short week, get ready to play the best defense or one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yeah. Turns the ball over against four times in the first meeting that you had. You're going to have to try and figure out how you protect Josh from letting the game slip away like he did against the Jets the first time that they had it. Now, you would just feel comfortable, say, you go score 24 points. Like, I would imagine that you could shut the Jets down to less than 24 points or something like that. But I'll you take cannot, 24 next week. You could just not, you cannot make unforced errors. And I think it's tough. Joe Brady is young. He is the was the exciting coaching name that was on the market before he went to the Panthers. And it feels like, okay, what was he actually able to do there? And how much of that falls on the people that they had there? You would think that that would mean he's probably more likely to throw the ball all over the place and try interesting things and try new formations and do things that are a little bit more progressive. But I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know how much of it he can even do, at least in the short term, because you can only get caught up to speed on so many things. And if the weapons are a problem, how much can you do with the weapons that you have? You still have Stefan Diggs. You still have Dalton Kincaid. But they might not have Trent Shurfield, by the way, if you want him to get injected in the offense. He was declared out after an ankle injury on Monday night. Mm-hmm. They've got this is a massive opportunity for Joe Brady, but it's also a pretty uphill, I'd say, battle to ultimately lock down this job for anything more than the rest of the year. I, I would say, I, I don't know. I, I don't even have a, a real gauge on if this could be a long term thing because the other thing here, too, is Josh said that he wanted Dorsey, and that did not work. So now, whatever happens these next seven games, does Josh's opinion sway it anymore? Or is he not even getting asked those questions anymore? I'm sure he's getting asked those questions, 
but how much how much faith do you put it in them? Because the last time it certainly did not work. Right. And again, I know you know this, but I just want to make it clear for everybody listening and watching. Josh Allen isn't picking the offensive coordinator. No. But the no, Bills no, made it clear no. that they want him to be comfortable with the person back there. For and sure. they even kind of sort of referenced the whole Aaron Rodgers stuff over the last few years of, you know, just, you know, uh, at odds with the organization. They didn't want to go down that road. They didn't want to have a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, who is dissatisfied with the decisions being made. And also, you get disgruntled and you get in this spot. Well, guess what? I mean, Josh Allen looks like, I'll be honest, he looks like he's having no fun playing the game anymore. And I don't no. know if that's just because he, the, you know, the, the losing, I get it. But it's been going on for a while, even going back to week one. And even when they were winning, it seemed like he hasn't had fun. And I don't know what that is. Um, he seemed like he had a lot of fun under Brian Dable. And they were winning. I get it. Um, I, I don't know to the level of you know, the personal relationship Dorsey has with Allen versus Dable with Josh Allen. But it feels like that's important for the organization. It feels like it's probably important for Josh Allen. He's not going to be making the call on who the next offensive coordinator is. And I agree with you, and I think you make a good point. Should he even have any sort of say, or should Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott say, Josh, you play, we pay you, this is who the new offensive coordinator is, I don't care what you think, you go out and play. Did you see this quote from Dan Orlovsky, by the way, about the Bills offense? I did, but you can read it about the scheme? No, a different one. Uh, on okay. Pat McAfee's show, the Bills offense is the <laughs> easiest offense to prepare for in the NFL. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That is pretty – I mean, listen, you say what you want, and is Sean McDermott the problem? Sure, you can have that conversation. A lot of people want to have that conversation. But for somebody who really knows the game of football to be saying that about your offense when you have elite playmakers or elite players on that offense is super concerning. So it makes well, you wonder how desperately they did need to make a change. And maybe anybody would be. I don't think that. Like That feels like such an unfair shot at Ken Dorsey. But maybe the marriage just did not work and it just needed to change and anything will be better. Because maybe if that's true, that's yeah. incredibly concerning. You know, I mean, when, when I read something like that from Dan, who I res really, really respect, as you yeah. do, it just, I guess, the big picture is that, and look, I mean, people could say, oh, I've been saying this for a long time. That's fine. But Ken Dorsey was apparently then in over his head at the NFL level. And you go back to where he was before that, and he worked in Carolina, and he was a quarterback's coach, and he worked his way up the ranks. Ken Dorsey was the quarterback of one of the greatest offenses in college football history. You know what he had to do as the quarterback of that team? Just mm -hmm. get the ball to some guys. That's yep. all he had to do. And I feel like sometimes he operates this offense with that, which is, I just got to get the ball to the guys. Like, hey, they're, they're great. I just need to get it to them. Well, this is the NFL where the defensive coordinator gets paid a lot of money to stop your offense and to figure it out. And my biggest complaint about Ken Dorsey last year was he never had a counterpunch when teams adjusted. And it feels like even since then, it's never grown to the point where he's had a counterpunch to what anyone was doing. Like almost he's still kind of figuring out how to do that at the NFL level. Well, the Bills can't figure it out anymore. They're not in that position. They never could. Matt, they're the oldest team in the league, average age. Yeah. I mean – I mean, th this is it. They they have to. They have to. I'm not saying this is it for years. What I'm saying is like that's why they know. Yeah, if they don't do something now and fix something, like there's major changes coming to the roster and obviously, as we see now, to the coaching staff. Is it? I'm trying to figure out the right way of saying this because I don't want to say is it worth it to make the move now because I think we both know that they internally feel like they still have a chance. But right. doesn't it feel like if they were going to make this move, they should have done it a couple weeks ago? 
again, I, I'll say like, I don't think that these are things you don't take lightly. Right. And you figure mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, you're like, okay, it was, it was kind of four games of struggle. We'll figure it out. Okay. We're getting there. You know, I think you have to put yourself in their position sometimes. And as the p- fans have this knee jerk reaction, media can have this knee jerk reaction. It's not that easy. Right. Even the worst mm-hmm. teams in the league don't do that. Like you, you, you gotta I, no. Yes, on the surface, should they have done this last year? Maybe should they have done this in the off season? We could always say that, but I get why you don't do it a lot of times. Like that's a that's a really, really, really significant move, and you're to the point where you think, okay, this will turn around. You have faith and you have confidence, and at, at some point, you say it just isn't happening anymore. Let me ask you this: I've seen this question floated out there by a lot of people, and it was in my group message this morning as all my friends were talking about it. If they don't have 12 people on the field and they win the game, are they still firing Ken Dorsey today? Probably not. I don't know that. Probably not. I and think is it, can, isn't that inc- another. Isn't that incredibly concerning? I'm not as concerned because I just think that's the way I, that's the way it goes. I just think the way the, the way the league operates when you lose and everything's coming down on you. And when you win, everybody's a little more. OK, all right. Well, guess what? We got through it. We'll get through another one. Yeah, I don't sure. think no, because I just think that's the way everybody is. It's the way every mm-hmm. league. You could look at times where maybe a win happened and the team fired a coach, but Edmund, yeah, the Edmonton Oilers win. did it like three yeah. days ago, four days ago, right? Yeah, they I mean, a game and they two game season, right? Yeah, but I mean, I like, know, but, but but no, I don't think it's concerning. I just think that's the way it happens. That's the way it goes. You know, I, it reminds I, me reminds me of um, when Rex fired Greg Roman after they actually scored in the thirties on a Thursday night game week two yeah. or three against the jets yeah. and the next day, everybody's like, wait a minute, you're firing that guy. Look at this and look at that. Look at this. And look, how could you do that? He just scored. Not that Ken Dorsey's offense has been great, but everybody mm-hmm. wants to point at other things that should be happening other than the offensive coordinator being fired. You know, the other thing it reminds me of, Matt, I'm sitting here. It's normally, this is Tuesday. It's normally my day off. And I say that because Tuesdays I'm off because the bills play on Sunday and they're yeah. off in this job. We don't rest. We said it last night. You said you may have a day that you're not preparing for and you got to get ready for it, right? Uh, I said that. I remember. (laughs) I do. I remember, Matt, walking into Tucks and Pucks on New Year's Eve with my wife all dressed up, getting an alert. The Bills and Doug Doug Marone parted ways. And I looked at her and said, I'm going to have to work now tomorrow on New Year's Day when I never thought I would have to work that day. That's what happens in this business. You never know when news is going to break. I, this morning, was sitting at a Greek diner in Tonawanda with my friends and the baby. <laughs> so I was planning on going into work at about 2.30 this afternoon and a meeting yep. that I had to get into. I was going to go to the Sabres game. Now, because they lost, I was on the phone with my boss this morning and we were planning a bunch of stuff. But I actually found out, so I saw the tweet on my phone and I get up to leave the table and immediately call my boss to see what's going on. And the cook for the restaurant walks out and like tells everybody the bills just fired Ken Dorsey. Like, I wow. think they were, I think they were literally listening to GR in the kitchen. Matt, and he you got informed by the cook at the diner. I love it. I love <laughs> at, it at Athena's. No, he didn't like alert me, but it happened simultaneously. Basically. Like I saw it, got up it was immediately. The cook, not James cook, right? Just want to no, make sure not, no James okay. cook declines to comment. As did. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so but the cook at Athena's in Tonawanda was like the oh, Bills man. fired Shout Ken Dorsey, out. and basically like all the people who were working were like, "It's about time." And I'm like, "Oh my yeah, gosh!" Like I that's know, like right? a crazy little anecdote to be able to like see that happen firsthand because obviously you know you read the comments on social media, but sometimes you don't see it in that capacity. So 
I think that this move was was bound to happen. I thought that it probably should have happened a couple weeks ago. Honestly, I think it is a little bit too late, but I think now is kind of this perfect blend of it's a trial run for Joe Brady, and you can also try and salvage the season, even though it's probably, excuse me, past that point. This is a really, by the way, I am so tired. What time did you get to bed? <laughs> uh, 3.30 a.m. So I got to bed around 3.15. The baby was up at 7. Yeah. My my wife went to work, so I was with the baby at 7. And now, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not asking for pity. Like we get No, to talk I was about. on we, the air at 7 yeah. talking with Jeremy and Joe. So, yeah. Yeah, like it. we get, we talk about sports for a living. It's the, the greatest job ever. Um, I just said I that to our producer, Mike Rabier. I said, Mike, we should never complain in this business. We, we have the greatest jobs. But man, today's been a little rough. It's it's just I'm tired. I'm tired. So I'm yeah. sorry if I'm mumbling. I'm gonna let you or... go. I'm gonna no, let you don't go. need I'm to. Gonna... Yeah. No, no, I'm yeah. gonna let everybody go because we gotta. You know, we're, we're gonna plan another podcast later in the week, and we have Sean McDermott at 4 p.m. today. We got to get some answers before we can even talk about what's going on and what's next for this organization. Yeah, um, I would imagine it's a normal practice week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. even though it's sure. a short week. Well, we normally on a Monday or on a Tuesday we would talk to the coordinators. I don't think we will hear from Joe Brady today. No, the bill sent out a release and it said Sean McDermott today. That was all. I would imagine. Do we get Joe Brady at some point this week? Uh, probably. Uh, I'm not sure. I guess we have to wait and find out. I just know that today, 4 p.m., we'll hear from Sean McDermott. And if you're listening to this now before that, by the way, we will carry that live on WGR. So make sure you tune in for that as well. Absolutely. So. so- um, all right, we'll get some sleep, get some rest if the baby I, allows you to do that. <laughs> I'm going to try and still go to the Sabres game. I'm going to go to the stadium and do all live right. shots at I'm five going and I'm six. Max. Are you <laughs> yeah. going tonight? All right, I'll see you. Yes, Kyle Oposo's thousandth game. Everybody gets a um, first 10,000 fans get a hockey case of some sort. It's pretty cool. Y- yeah, a stick you know, case, hockey stick case. You feel a little bit, obviously, perspective. He gets to play in his thousandth NHL game. He has done very well for yeah. himself. Kyle Oposo's day kind of got robbed by the Bills yeah. news, quite frankly. Kyle Oposo's day, very much an afterthought for sports fans in Western New York today. What was looking like it could be a bit like if the Bills won a ho hum game last night, twenty eight to fourteen against the Broncos. Kyle Oposo's oh, nice. thousandth game would have been the big story today. Now it's like at the we always joke at the end of the newscast, like you know, you put in whatever there. It could be like, oh, and by the way, Kyle Oposo playing at his thousandth game tonight. Puck drop in a half an hour Key Bank Center. The Sabres host the Bruins. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that'll probably be what it is. All right. Well, listen, um, we'll catch up later in the week. We'll have everybody, uh, we'll have all the information you need here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Thanks a lot for just coming aboard here on this short notice today. You can always do that on iTunes, Spotify, the Odyssey app, WGR Sports Radio 550, WKBW TV Channel 7 in Buffalo. And, of course, on the South Sports YouTube page, it's where you can see our smiling faces. Thanks to Mike Rabier for getting us together here on short notice to produce this one. It's always game day in Buffalo. We'll talk to you next time.